At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What's up? This is Cormega. I just jumped off the porch with my man, Dirty Glove Bastard. You already know. Dreams of better living came into fruition and exceeded what we envisioned. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We got the one and only Cormega jumping off the porch with us. What's going on, bro? Everything's good, brother. How are you? Yes, sir. Feeling good. Feeling great, man. I should say Grammy Award winner uh, artist Cormega. You know what I mean? Like, how, how does that feel to be able to like put that next to your name? <laughs> that was that's a, that's a great uh, acknowledgement. I give all the credit to that for Nas for having me on that King Disease album. But might as well say Source Award winner, Impact Award winner, Grammy Award winner. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Got a trifecta. Right. Yes, uh, that's what's up, man. So, Cormega, man, from Queens. Yeah. Um, now, is it accurate? I, I saw somewhere they said you were born in Brooklyn, raised in Queens. Is that accurate? I was definitely. I was born in Bed Stuy. Okay. So, definitely confirm with me when you hear stuff, because some of the stuff be crazy. But I was really, I was born in Bed Stuy. So, shout out to Bed Stuy. Okay. Okay. Word. Word. And, uh, man, tell us, tell us about you know what it was like, man, coming up in Queens, bro. Um. It was fun. It was um, it was culturally invigorating, in in numerous ways. During that time, you know, we got TV shows on right now like Power, and they showing that era. I forgot the name of the new Power show, but it's a hot show out right Raising now. Raising Kana. Right, and then you got like Paid in Full movie. So that era, I was growing up seeing all that firsthand. So in that era. Like those type of guys were like the superstars. Uh, they were bigger than rappers to us. So I was seeing that, but I was also feeling, absorbing the culture from the, uh, from the music in Queens. Not even just Queensbridge, you know. I gotta give props to Far Rockaway. They have a whole different uh, lifestyle out there. And they, they was, that's a tough environment. And they took rap serious out there also. So you got Queensbridge, Far Rockaway, those two places were instrumental in, to me for Queens. But it was fun, it was, um, it was life lessons, it was artist lessons, especially living in Queensbridge when uh, the park jams that everybody always hear about was right in back of our building. Like the building, say this line, this building, me and Nas building is lined up. So my window, I could talk to him from my window, he could talk to me, you know what I'm saying? So right in back of that, Vernon Boulevard is where they had the big, most of the jams. So we didn't even have to be outside to experience the jams. You could be in your room hearing the jam and the music is loud. So you grow up in that environment and you're seeing Marley Marr and you're seeing Shantae and you're seeing Craig and you're seeing MC Shan and you know all the people that played an integral role in, in Queens was becoming what it became. It's inspiring, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Did you, um, when you were seeing you know, all these things back then out your window, did you ever expect for hip hop to be um, 
global like it is today and just, you know, what it is today? No. I mean, even later than that, even later in my in my career, when I when my came on my first album, The Realness, I didn't realize how global rap was. Cause I looked at myself, like in Harlem, there's this group called Mob Style. And like some of them was actual drug dealers, you know, that decided they wanted to just rap, you know? Like AZ Fazan was in the group and a few other guys. So when they made their music, it was street music. And they were like local legends, not just for the drugs, but for the music. So the way they rap, they was talking about their life. So when I was making my music, I was just talking about my life in the street at first, you know? Mm. So like the first time I went to uh, Massachusetts, I had a show out there. And um, I used to like always go to Foot Locker or go to malls because different places have different sneakers. Long story short, I go in Foot Locker and there's this girl, she's white. And she's like, oh my God, you're called Mega. So in my mind, I'm like, how she know who I am? You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, she's one of those white girls that hang with black people. So maybe they, um, that's, that's what I'm thinking. So later on, that show is at a place called Middle East. I get to the show, it's hundreds of white people there. And they know the words to my lyrics. At first I was thinking, why is all these people here? Like, maybe they're here for somebody else. They knew the words to my lyrics. So this was 2001. Mm -hmm. When, and, that, and that's when I realized, wow, like this is bigger than just local. This is bigger than just me talking street rap. Right. So that opened my eyes to it. And then when I started traveling the world, it really taught me a lot about our culture, how, how it expanded and where it's at. And the beautiful thing about it is um, sky's not the limit. You know what I'm saying? It's just a view. Mm -hmm. And um, even now it's still expanding. Mm -hmm. So I never knew that uh, hip hop would go to where, the, where it's at now. Yeah, nah, it's amazing. I mean, I mean, it's, you know, being the biggest culture, being like the most influential, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And for it to come from, you know, being like the true expression of, of where we come from and for those stories to be so intriguing, uh, you know, outside people. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> Like jumped off the porch. Like we say, you know, we use the term like jumping off the porch, like when you like, you know, were sort of coming of age, like when you got from under, you know, moms and like stepped out and, okay. you know, really saw the world. I've, I've been off the porch before. I've been off the porch because of my life, circumstances in my life. My mom died when I was young. And when my mom died, I didn't even know how to tie my shoelaces. I was that young. I didn't even... I didn't even, I don't even think I, I wasn't even in first grade yet. Mm. So when you go through a dynamic like that, traumatic situation like that in your life, it's gonna change you even as a child. So you go from family member to family member, you, you, you're in different environments. So um, one of the environments I was in, there was a lot of drugs around me, even in the house. So. Um, it's, it's, it's sort of like I was being indoctrinated unintentionally. Mm. So, you know, I'm, I'm a regular kid, I'm leaving to go to school and I find a crack valve. That's when they sold it in the valves. Mm. And I pick it up out of curiosity and a crackhead comes in the, in the lobby at the same time. And they said, you got something? And um, I'm like, 
uh, yeah, and I just gave them that, and they gave me $10. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is, you know what I'm saying? Like, that started it all. I was like, wait a minute, all I gotta do is give them that, they're gonna give me $10? So in my head, I'm like, if I give them 10 of those, that's 100, if I give them a thousand, you know what I'm saying? So that started it all. So I've been off, anybody that knows me, any rapper or person from Queens that knows me will tell you, like, I've been like a man child. When I was young, I was, I, was a, I was a young kid wearing stuff like Paul Smith. A lot of people now don't even know what that is. I was wearing Ralph Lauren when I was a kid. It was normal to me. Now people wear it like as a status thing, or to me it was regular clothes. Like, we were just talking about this the other day, me and my man Jay, one of my best friends, he was like, he was telling one of my friends, like, we was going to City Island when we was like 14 and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like, we was like man child. We was doing grown up stuff as kids that now as, I, as an adult, I think back like, wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, we was making grown up decisions. Some of the decisions we made were, would have, uh, long-term effects and consequences, but we made them. So I've been off the porch right. early. Yeah. So would you say, um, you know, with all those uh, things that you were dealing with or having to, you know, grow up so fast, like at, a, at an early age, um, do you feel like you ha like were able to really have like a childhood? Were you able to enjoy, you know what I'm saying? Like what comes with being a kid? And I'm gonna tell you, I had a, I had a brief moment of peace and tranquility. When I lived in this, there's a place in the Bronx called Co-op City. I lived in Co-op City before. I don't really put that out there. I don't really, cause I didn't really want to tell all my story. Cause you know, I'll save it for my book or whatever. I lived in Co-op City at one point. That was the most peace, peaceful life that I've had. Like I was a regular kid. I, I had friends that are nerds, friends that are tough, friends. It was, it was multicultural environment. I wasn't, I wasn't accustomed to the street. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I wasn't accustomed to the drugs. I wasn't accustomed to none of that. Um, I was a good kid. Uh, I, I was always joking. I was most humorous in the yearbook. I was good in arts, you know. So it's like I was a good kid. And environment really plays a role in your life. I learned that now as I look back. So that was my, my tranquility. But in a flicker, life could change because, like, once... We re relocated from there. I'm in a whole different environment now. Now I'm in Far Rockaway. <laughs> now Far Rockaway is the, probably the toughest part of Queens. Mm -hmm. So wherever you're from in Queens, mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. What are you saving up for? A vacation? A remodel? Or just because saving is a smart thing to do? A CD from Sandy Spring Bank gives you time to grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. 
Right now, you can earn interest at 4.25% annual percentage yield on a 14-month CD or 4.00% APY on a 35-month CD. Ready to grow your savings? Let's talk. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit is $2,500, member FDIC. People don't really want to go to Far Rock. They don't want no smoke with Far Rockaway. If, if Queen Bridge is Rome, Far Rockaway is Sparta. Mm-hmm. So... When I went to that environment, I, it was like a culture shock. Like, I never, that's what, I didn't see, I didn't know what a crack bar was. I didn't know what getting jumped was. Where I was from, you have a fight with somebody, it's like, okay, psh, psh, y'all leave. Out there, you're gonna have 20 dudes jumping on your head. It's like, so I, so it's like, a, it was a culture shock. It was a culture shock for me as a, as a, not, I can't even say a man, as a human being. So, so my piece, like I said, the, the most childhood that I had was, was, co-op city but anything else I didn't really have a childhood you know I'm I'm 15 years old doing man stuff I'm 14 making grown-up decisions I'm you know my father was on drugs my mom's was deceased and it's like you know now that I'm older I look back on on my life and I look at my family I look at some of the elders that made decisions and I look at them in a different lens now, like where was the compassion at? Like if my father was on drugs and that's your, your brother or your, you know, where was the meeting of the minds? Like uh, some families, they'll, I forgot the word I'm looking for, but they'll all have a meeting and he'll be there and they'll be like, we wanna help you. Mm-hmm. It was never none of that. So it was like survive or die. So that mentality is something that emanated in my family and kind of made me how I am now. So the, the thing that I'm most proud of is that I'm not that person. Like, I can't see my brother in a bad situation mm-hmm. or my sisters, you know what I'm saying? Even though when, me, me, I don't always see eye to eye with everybody, but that's not gonna affect the love. Mm-hmm. So I had that peace and then I had war. And I guess that was God's plan because you put those things all together and, and you get understanding. So then what would you say is one of the biggest life lessons that you learn um, coming up? Um, one of the biggest life lessons that I learned is to absorb life, absorb it, uh, live in the moment because nothing is guaranteed, nothing is promised. You can have a friend that's your best friend today tomorrow things could change. You could be in the best situation today, tomorrow things could change. There's people that you love, tomorrow they might be gone. There's relatives that we love, sometimes, you know, life happens. Some people get older and, you know, we, have the, we all have an elderly person in our family and you remember them when they was younger, when they was more jubilant, when they had more energy. So it's like, I've learned to just appreciate life. That's the biggest lesson that I've learned. Appreciate, like sometimes I wake up literally in the morning and my eyes open and it's like, thank God hmm. for another day, I'm still here. Cause somebody else didn't get that, that hmm. opportunity. So it's like, just breathe. Like, like one thing older people used to always tell us and we probably ignored it was like, don't rush to get older. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't rush, like live your life. So it's like, that was such a gem, but we, some of us couldn't see it. Yeah, that's real. So that's the same gem I would say, live your life. Don't rush, you know what I'm saying? Because once, once you become, an adult, once responsibilities of life hit you, it hit different. Right. 
Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, nah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, that's that's some game that all of us get and never understand you know? until we on that other side right. looking back at our youth. Right, you know? right. Um, and so some of us have that, you know, wish that we could have or would have, could have, should have, you know, mindset. But it's like if you move in a certain way, then you should still be fulfilled. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's what's up. So, all right, let's um, so let, let's let's tap back into the music some. Um, so, like, you know, from the outside looking in or as a music fan, um, you know, I remember like hearing your name and, and hearing about you. And it was like, yo, like this dude is like the like the next up. Like he's like the golden child. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it was I mean, just knowing like, you know, you're from Queens, like all the people that you like grew up around. Like, what? let me ask you this. What was that like? Um, like where all of your peers are, you know, like are, are successful. And it's almost like all of you guys are like set up for success. Cause I mean, it was what Nas, like Capone, Havoc, what Ron Artest from Queens. Like, I don't know if you guys were truly like partners like that, but I just know that was like a peer from the- Yeah, I know all of those guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a whole generation of guys that came before them. You got MC Shan, Craig G, yeah. the whole, like most of the Juice crews from Queens. Yeah. So, um, but it was two different generations. So for me, on a personal note, like MC Shan is somebody I always look up to. So some people from that era, I didn't really have super relationships with them, just had respect for them. You know, like Shan is my man. I could go to his house right now when I leave here. Like, you know what I'm saying? Shantae, shout out to all of them. But with the next generation, it, it hit closer to home because these are people I was around every day. I wasn't around Shan every day. I wasn't around Shantae every day. I'm around Nas every day, you know what I'm saying? Havoc, I was around Havoc a lot, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So it was like Capone, I know Capone's father, his father used to be, his uncle Bruce, Capone's uncle Bruce lived in my building. He still lives there in my old building, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, when you see somebody, when you see somebody, one of your peers doing something, it's more, it's more inspirational or motivational than anything, unless you're weak or insecure. If you're insecure, then it might be a different energy. Me seeing it, I was incarcerated at the time. Mm -hmm. So me seeing it was like, wow. Because it's like, I just left these guys and they was regular people. Mm -hmm. And now they're like stars, not just rappers, but stars. Like Illmatic was, you know, if God got, if God got a CD deck, Illmatic's in it. Yeah, for sure. You know what I'm saying? And then the infamous, like, that's like the, that's like the blueprint for street albums. Mm -hmm. So it's like, these guys didn't just, become rappers, they became stars. They made classic albums. And I'm sitting in jail like this. Wow, you know what I'm saying? And it's crazy because Nas is writing me during the, all of this, you know what I'm saying? So he's telling me what's going on. And um, the craziest thing is he's a modest, he's, he's modest in, in, uh, in his own greatness. It's kind of like Superman doesn't realize what he's capable of. Like when he made Illmatic, he was just hoping it was gonna do good. He didn't know it was gonna be what it became. I think most guys that are legends, they just, they just give their all in something and they hope for the best. They don't be having a gassed up mentality like this is about to change the game. He was modest. He was writing me, he's like, yo, after this, I'll probably go to trade school or something. You know what I'm saying? I, so it's like, I'm trying to find those letters now. I still got them in my crib. Yeah. So, when he made, so when the album came out, we never really seen success. We seen, rappers that did their thing and they look good in the videos, but we never seen longevity mm -hmm. like what these guys gave. So when they came out, 
it was motivation for me. And it made me say, I don't want to hustle no more. Because when I was in jail, I didn't know what I was going to do when I came home. I was like, yeah, I'm a rap, but, you know, it's a lot of money to be made. So when I seen them doing their thing and, like, consistently making a living, that was, that was inspirational for me. You know what I'm saying? But, and then I had the crazy buzz when I came home. Like, right. everybody from, I'm, the way I'm talking to you, I was, I was talking to Diddy. Mm. I was talking to... Like if there's 40 record labels, I probably was at 35 of them or 30. I had mad offers. So it's like I came home to a buzz that was monumental. And then I had to live up to that buzz. Right. I had more pressure than anything. So if somebody was to ever uh, try to say I had it easy or make it like, you know, cause I heard somebody say Mega got a shout out and he got a deal. That's the most idiotic thing mm. I've ever heard. If that's the case. Then there's like 70 other guys that's about to get deals because they got shout outs. Right. Shout outs are not going to give you a over 20 year run in rap. Right. So when I came home, I had so much pressure because I had pressure because I had a buzz. Mm-hmm. I had pressure because people like Molly Maul, who I was working with before I went to jail, spoke highly of me. People, so people heard about me in the industry. And uh, so I had pressure of expectation. And then Nas and Marv Deep set the bar so high. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't just come out with any album after Illmatic and the Infamous. So they raised the bar so high that it just made me like, wow, I got, you know, I got, I had to really step back and, and, and approach everything differently. Yeah. All right, so to put it in the context uh, for our users, so in 94, Nas dropped Illmatic. Mm-hmm. On the song One Love, he shouts you out. Mm-hmm. You come home in 95, mm-hmm. got a, 95, right? Mm-hmm. Got a crazy buzz, drop a couple of mixtapes, or drop some mixtapes, and then um, Nas drops It Was Written, and then you were on the affirm- Affirmative Action, that right. was the first right. Firm song. Right. Um, then after that, you get signed to Def Jam. Mm-hmm. Is that is that right. crazy? Okay. Right. So then you get signed to Def Jam. Um, I think, and that's also why I said, you know, as a fan and from the outside looking in, it was like. Man. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today. Man, this dude's the golden child, you know what I mean? It was like, yo, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Nas and shouted this guy out, and then it, everything was just, you know, was just lining up, you yeah. know, afterwards. Um, so then you um, went through like some things with Dev Jam, right? And your first album wasn't able to come out. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of like speak on like that process and what that was like? Because I'm sure that, I mean, I'm sure you were on a crazy high coming home. And then like you said, you in these rooms talking one-on-one with mm-hmm. Diddy and all these, you know, top execs. Yeah. And then 
things like kind of halt? Like, can you kind of like tap into that and what that was like? Okay, that moment is what defined me. Like, some people say that they're hustlers, but a hustler is not a, a it's, not, it's not a noun, it's a verb. You know what I'm saying? You have to hustle, you have to go for it. So, when I came home, when I got signed to Def Jam, it was Violator slash Def Jam, right? So it was, a, it was a big deal. At the time, it was the biggest record deal, right? So that was that. But the reason I signed to them is because they gave me the most money. And that's not always the best thing to do. You don't sign with somebody for the most money. You sign with the person that's going to give you the most energy, the most marketing, the most pri that's going to prioritize you the most, not pay you the most at that moment. So when I signed to that label, it was like signing to a superstar. It was like signing to a super label. That was a dope label. Um, and it was the politics in the game that made my album be on the shelf because I had, you know, at the time I had differences with a, with a particular exec who I don't even feel like mentioning his name and everybody knows who he is. Yeah. And at the time he, he, uh, he held a lot of weight in the industry and he had a lot of influence and I was told like, if I don't sign something that's gonna be last that people hear of me with the firm. And I thought it was a joke. I didn't take him serious. I underestimated his reach. So when he said that, I'm laughing in my head like, this dude is crazy. Like I'm already on another song with the firm, right? That's what I'm thinking. And then the next song comes out that I'm already on and my, voice, and my verse is gone. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, wow, right? So, so, um, um, the industry's like a sorority, you know that. So it's like, somebody's powerful, they'll tell other powerful people, don't deal with you. And then they'll make, uh, sometimes they'll even create narratives that might not even be true. Make it seem like you're problematic, et cetera, et cetera. So when I was on the shelf, like I said, that moment defined me because I said to myself, I'm on the shelf, right? I said, so Eva, I'm not as good as I think I am and they got me on the shelf, or it's the politics. And I, you know what I'm saying? So I said, I know what I'm gonna do. So I made a mixtape. Back when nobody was making mixtapes. I, I, could, I could definitely put that stamp on my chest. I was the first person to make mixtapes. And I made it like it was an album. You had unique art had um, exclusive freestyles, it had songs, exclusive songs, and it had songs that was known. We put it out. It sold crazy. I didn't know it was gonna sell crazy. Um, I didn't know what to expect. So the guys that were selling it were also selling it worldwide and, and, and statewide. So by the time the uh, Survival of the Illest tour comes with DMX, the first tour DMX was on, uh, we, we was in Chicago, I'll never forget it, because that was the day that I almost did something, a sucker move. And I told my man, I said, yo, when we get to Chicago, I'm gonna say I'm sick. Or when we get to those, those states out there, I'm gonna say I don't feel well because nobody's gonna know my music. So I was scared to perform, nervous. And then something inside of me said, just do it. What's the worst that could happen? So when I performed, not only did it re 
redeemed me, but it made me feel stupid I even almost thought that. My, the ovation I got that night was just as loud as anybody that performed. And people was like, yo, we got your album. And I'm like, what are you, in my mind, I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't even got an album. And they were showing me the mixtape and wanting me to sign it. So that moment, me being on the shelf, just made me work harder on myself. Cause I even have to, if you believe in yourself, if you believe in something, you have to follow your beliefs. Even if people think you're crazy. When, when Muhammad Ali said he was the greatest, people said he was crazy. And now when we speak of Muhammad Ali, they say he's the greatest. Right. So I had confidence in myself and some people don't understand confidence. Mm -hmm. Some people don't like confidence. Right. They don't understand it, especially when they want the easy way out. Right. So there were some people that were telling me basically, you should kiss these people's ass to get on. Hmm. And they didn't understand, first of all, I don't do that. And second of all, you gotta have integrity. I believe in myself. So if I didn't put my own music out for people to, to measure it and tell me how it feels, I would have never known. Yeah. Maybe I would have believed these guys at having me on the shelf. And as you know, there's, I know hundreds of artists that have been on the shelf and they've never had careers after that. They quit after that. So that moment made me stronger and it made me who I am today. Wow, wow, that's what's up, that's what's up. Yeah, you were, I would say like, you were one of the first, um, even just one of the first artists like kind of on the independent wave, like mm -hmm. when that wasn't, when that wasn't popular, you know what I mean? Fact. Especially amongst New York artists, you know, because there's so many, you know, labels right there in your backyard, you know what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. um, so then, uh, so then you, you dropped, so, so then you dropped the realness in 2001. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, what was, like, what was that like? Like when you finally did, like, get to drop your album and, you know what I'm saying? The realness, when the realness came out, it changed my whole life because um, I have a friend, he passed away, his name is Blue. And one day when we was hustling, he told me, don't forget you're a rapper, Mega. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't get so caught up in this life. Like, don't forget you're a rapper. Mm -hmm. Like, I was a fan of yours as a rapper too. Like, don't forget that. And he, he got killed. Mm -hmm. And when he got killed, I, did the realness as a tribute to him, and I shout him out on songs. And then uh, when the album came out, I thought I was just gonna make the album and just go away. You know what I'm saying? Because I was done with the industry. I didn't, I didn't feel the love. I didn't, I would, I, I. Hey everyone, it's Jalen here from the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. If you're a fan of business podcasts, then be sure to check out and subscribe to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast, a show that covers business, career development, and tips to increase your income. And the best part, it's brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network. Anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators. I just didn't have any desire to be a part of the industry. Yeah. And when The Realness came out, I was the number one Heat Seeker in the Billboard magazine for two weeks in a row. Mm -hmm. Now, Heat Seeker is a new artist. It's not based on genre, it's based on new artists. So you could be a country singer, R&B, rock and roll, whatever. I was the number one new artist in America for two weeks in a row in Billboard. Mm. So I was like, wow. I, I was on the R&B charts. I so the album was doing better than we thought. And then the buzz just started growing and growing and growing and growing and growing to the point where I took myself serious as a rapper. Like, wow. So that, that was an eye-opening, career-defining moment for me. And um, I'm thankful that I did it because if I didn't do it, I don't know where I'd be right now. Right.
Because right. I was you. I mean, you was you were really like taking your career in your own hands. Facts. You know, from um, did did any songs from the Testament make it to the realness, or did you just completely like just record a whole new project when when you know your first when your first <laughs> original debut album was supposed to drop but wasn't allowed to? Like, did any songs from that come to this, or is it all brand new? I'm gonna tell you the funny story. When I was released from Def Jam, I, TVT Records wanted to sign me. Mm. TVT had Little John, and mm -hmm. they was they was gonna give me. They wanted to know what my what my deal was with Def Jam. I said it was two hundred fifty thousand. So they basically said we got two hundred fifty thousand for you. Basically, we didn't. There was never supposed to be a realness. I was supposed to pay Def Jam the 250000 Y'all didn't want my albums on the shelf for four years. Mm -hmm. And music depreciates as it sits, unless you Bob Marley or somebody, <laughs> right. right? So, okay, y'all had an album. Y'all didn't do nothing with it. It sat, and my deal was 250000 Here, we got 250000 mm -hmm. Let us get the testament. They said, no, we want 350000 mm. That So whoever, I don't know the person's name who did it, I don't know exact person. I don't know if it's the law department that, that, that we, the legal department that we were speaking to. Whoever it was, I definitely uh, don't respect them. Mm. Um, because it's one thing to play, it's one thing to, to not respect me as an artist or not like me as an artist, but when you're playing with somebody's livelihood, you're playing with somebody's life, you're playing with my family, mm -hmm. you're playing with my, my life. Because mm -hmm. if I have a deal, that means I'm able to take care of myself. And you're trying to take that opportunity away. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today. It's bad enough you haven't been in a show for four years, which could kill a career. Careers don't even last four years yeah. a lot. So I'm on the show four years, and then when I get money to get that album back, y'all say, y'all try to play games with me, y'all raise it. And TVT wasn't going to do that. It's like it's an old album. Why would we pay 100000 more mm -hmm. for that? Right. So that never happened. So I made the realness out of frustration. Mm -hmm. That's why when you listen to the intro, I'm so mad. Well, that's why I'm like... You industry, we in the street. My, yeah. That was like a big middle finger yeah. to the industry. I was pissed on that album. So, like I said, it's moments like that that define you. So, if they would have uh, gave me the Testament album, then probably Testament, I would have shaped it. it there would have never been a realness. Mm -hmm. So, when I made the realness, I made it from scratch. Wow. And, you know what I'm saying? Wow, wow. Um, now, you, you had mentioned Violator. 
Um, I know you were uh, you were a part of that, and uh, I remember that compilation that came out back then. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it was real dope, and you had a song on there uh, with Lil Wayne. It right. said featuring the Hot Boys, but then I remembered like back then, like only hearing Wayne on the hook, and, and as a fan, just being like, "Damn, why didn't Wayne get a verse?" Uh, but also was just hype to even know that like someone like you was up on them or was into that. So um, how did how did that even come about? Like all praise due to the ingenuity of Chris Lighty. Um, the reason it said Hot Boys because Hot Boys was hot at the right. time. Little Wayne wasn't hot back then. Right. He wasn't even. They didn't even. They they didn't want him to rap on the track because they felt like I would outshine him. Mm -hmm. Like Chris was like Mega will kill him on the track. So, and Wayne is a beast, but back then he was a young pup. Right. So, you know what I'm saying? So, um, I did the song with, uh, with Wayne. They labeled it Hot Boys because Hot Boys was hot. Mm -hmm. And the song came out and it made noise, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And I was the first, I believe I was the first person to do, I know the first two people to work with um, Lil Wayne was me and Nori. Yeah. I don't know who was first, it might have been me. But even if it was Nori, if it was me, I'm pretty sure Chris Lottie had a, a hand in both of that. Right. So God bless him. Rest right. in peace, Chris Lottie. Right. That's what's up. That's what's up. Um, so, uh, you know, 20 years, 20 plus years in the game, man, like what keeps you motivated, like to, you know, to keep going, to drop new music, to... What keeps me going is fans. If I go through my DMs and read some of the fan mail to you, it'll blow your mind. It's it's bigger than rap. When you got people saying, your music got me through a hard time. Your music got me out of a dark place. Your music raised me when my father wasn't around. Your music, it's like, wow. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's the fans mostly that I do this for. Um, I don't do it for the industry. I don't do it for the, to be in the in crowd. I do it because it's two things. When you do what you love, it doesn't feel like work. I really love hip hop. I love rap. This is my thing. I love clothes. I love rap. You know, I love food. So I'm not going to never stop those things. Right. So, but it's the fans that inspire me to keep going. Mm -hmm. And they give me more inspiration and more hope. Mm -hmm. Because if you, uh, if you look at the history of the industry, the dynamic between the relationship between the artists and the industry, you'll see a lot of artists quit. Not because they didn't have the talent, but they didn't have the tolerance mm -hmm. to deal with the industry. Yeah. So it's the fans. The number one answer would be the fans. I do this for the fans. And number two would be because it sustains me. Like um, this, this thing of ours just changed my life. Like I could wake up, I could wake up not knowing what day it is and not tripping. Like, oh my God, I'm gonna be late for work. Or, you know what I'm saying? Right. Or, you know, I'm able to live a life that I'm comfortable in because of this. Yeah. So it's like the fans is number one. You know what I'm saying? The fans. That's why I do this. Yeah. How amazing is it the impact of hip hop that, you know, we can like really, you know, live off of this culture that we love and that we, you know, that really comes from like our blood, sweat and tears. Yeah. It's like, I, I'm, I'll tell you like, uh, I'm so thankful to the fan. I cried on stage before, hmm. you know what I'm saying? I was so thankful. I was just so, when you're used to adversity, sometimes you don't even know how to accept the good things or 
when you're used to the hard way, sometimes the easy way is like, wow. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I started getting so much love, it was like, wow. Like, I was so used to the hate. Even in your own community, you would hate. Yeah. Like, I had to step outside of Queensbridge to see myself as a great rapper. Mm -hmm. Because, like, when, when I was going through my adversity in the industry, there was people in my own neighborhood that was acting like I'm not it. Or, like, like Meg's not dope like he used to be. Or, you know, and it's like, wow. Like, you're hearing this from home, from home plate. And then it's like, um, shout out to my man, Bimmy. You know what I'm saying? Um, he, from, he's known from the Supreme Team, but he's also, he was in the industry. He was at A&R Def Jam, and that's my man. He's like, yo, I gotta take you to Connecticut. And I was like, for what? He's like, they love you in Connecticut. They call you the Messiah, mm -hmm. like the street Messiah. So I went to Connecticut, I got on stage, I started rapping, and they lose their mind. Mm -hmm. So it's like, in my hood, there's certain people acting like I'm whack, you know, in my neighborhood. But I go to another state and it's like they're going crazy. Mm -hmm. And I started noticing the pattern. And I said, wow, you can't, sometimes you can't even listen to the people that you think would, have, would support you the most. They're not. Yeah. They, they support you when you're equal. You know what I'm saying? Like, when we, we're going to struggle together, but once you rise, some people feel insecure or they feel indifference when they can rise with you. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? That's a, that's a gem. That's not, that ain't, that's not even an interview part right there. That's a gem. Yeah, no, nah, that's real. I mean, that's all. That's the case a lot of times where yeah. where we come from, you know, we don't, we aren't embraced or don't, you know, get like that love sometimes like how we wish that we would. And it'll take for an outside person or sometimes people that don't even know you, you Facts. know, to you know, let you know, like, no, nah, like, you that guy, like, no, nah, we, we appreciate what you do, yeah. you know what I mean, and yeah. your impact on what you're doing and all that. Um, now, the the industry, fans, like, a lot of people were really excited when King's Disease uh, dropped, and mm -hmm. then there was a Firm um, song on there. Now, is that indications that there could be more from that collective, or was that, um, you know, just something like from that feel of that time? I'm gonna give you the realest answer ever. The firm is basically Nas's, Nas's thing. If he wants it, it is. If he doesn't want it, it ain't. Got you. Um, as far as me, King Disease was beautiful for me because I realigned and reunited with my brother. Forget the song, forget wow. the music, forget. I don't think about The Firm because when The Firm album came out, I wasn't on it. I was an original member, I was in the group, right. but I wasn't on the album. So I don't have any attachment to that album. Um, but I have an attachment to my man. When his mom died, I mourned. You know, Even when me and Nas wasn't speaking, he was sick one time, I didn't know it. But you know, social media is the new newspaper now. <laughs> Going on social media, people would be like, pray for this person, or I seen people saying pray for Nas, and me and him wasn't even on good terms. And I tweeted him like, you know, get well, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause that's love. Mm -hmm. So that's the most important thing about King's Disease. Me like, you know what I'm saying? That song, that song is beautiful, but the friendship, the bond, the connection mm -hmm. is more beautiful. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't say the last time I spoke to the firm. I'm still cool with everybody. But Nas just texted me last night. 
You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's a whole different. It's a whole different thing. Right. So if if uh, when conversations about the firm happened again recently after that, I was I was like I was I was like whatever with it because I'm with it, mm-hmm. but at the same time. I don't want to go through bullshit if it's going to be bullshit. And also, I'm not doing it. What are we doing it for? Are we doing it for a bag or are we doing it to make a great album? Do we have chemistry? Is there going to be chemistry to make an album? Because making a song and making an album is two different things. And then when you're dealing with one person, you're dealing with one person. When you're dealing with a group, you're dealing with multiple personalities and attitudes and, you know. So if it's a smooth transition and I thought we could win, I'd be down. But right now, my priority is me. Yeah. Just like Nas' priority is him, and pretty sure AZ's priority is him, and Foxy's priority is her. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But love to all of them. All right. So have you uh ta- so now that you and Nas are uh you know back on good terms, uh, have you tapped into him on some investment tips? You know what? I've never done that because a person like Nas, his stature right now. And anybody that's like, when, when somebody's, even me, I go through that, and I'm not even a superstar like him. There's some people that's with you, and there's some people that's just around you. Mm-hmm. So the reason I don't ask him for none of that stuff is just to remind him, like, I'm, I'm really with you, bro, like, unconditionally. That's, that's one term that I, that I always say to him. We, I say that often. It'd be like, unconditional. Because it's like, some people rock with Nas because he's Nas. I was rocking with Nas when he was Nasir. Mm. If he didn't blow up, I would still, let's just say he didn't blow up, but he lived in Atlanta and I was out here. I'd probably go to his house after this. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, my man Jay's one of my best friends. I, I go to his house. You know what I'm saying? Like my man Bo, who grew up on the block with Nas and me, he mentioned him in the song. Like I've been to his house. Like I hang out with my peoples, whether you're successful or not successful, whether you're a tough guy or or not a tough guy. I've messed with people because of my relationship. My direct correlation with you has nothing to do with how successful you are. Mm-hmm. So if I ask him for financial invest, um, advice, I would feel like it would make me uncomfortable because so many people, I see so many people try to use him. Right. So many people try to use me. So we, I don't want to make him uncomfortable. I like where we're going now, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And uh, he sees what I'm doing, you know what I'm saying? So. If I needed help with something, I'm pretty sure I could get it. And, and like I said, uh, we both know a lot of powerful people. I know one, my, one of my friends, my man Eric, you know what I'm saying, he's a super investor. He's, he's fucking rich. Oops, I cursed. Um, so, and I don't even ask him for investments. Like, yeah. this guy just flew me out on a jet recently. I've never been on a jet. You know what I'm saying? He got super yachts. He's like Tony starts in real life. Yeah. So one thing about me, if you're my friend, you're my friend because you're my friend. So I didn't ask him for no financial. Only thing I asked Nas was to get on my album. And I didn't really have to ask him. He's like, yo, we got to do one. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So that's it. But I love him for who he is. I love Havoc for who he is. You got Ron Artest. He was an NBA champion. At one point, he was richer than everybody. Hmm. Never even asked him for a free ticket to the game. Yeah. I never asked Havoc for, you know what I'm saying? I just, just rock with me. Like, we artists, let's do what artists do. If you're my friend, I value friendship for friendship. My friends that make me laugh, I, I, I got to laugh when I'm around you. I got to feel comfortable when, when I'm around you. I got to feel free. If I got to have my shield up or feel weird, then what, what's going on? Right, right, right. So 
<clears throat> so the new album, The Realness 2, uh, when, when is that releasing? October 7th. Okay, that's what's up. And um, what was the process like recording this project? Are there songs that had been like in the vault, you know, for a while that you are, you know, putting on here or is this all fresh material? Like what was that process like? I would not dare give my fans uh, any stuff that I had in the vault for this album because it took long. And then you had the pandemic wow. that slowed us up even more. So when I did The Realness 2, I wanted to come with all new stuff. Um, and I wanted to try to tap into the, the energy of the first Realness, but from a, a more mature perspective, because I see through a different lens. So. Uh, the first person that I got tracked from for the realness was Havoc. Um, he did the single, Essential, and he also rapped on one of the songs. So that's out the way. And I, I started thinking of all the rappers that was on the realness. So I said, I gotta have, you know, Prodigy's not here. So I needed to have Havoc on there. And uh, that was it, mm -hmm. as far as that. And I said, now, uh, Whoever I don't put on there, I got to replace them with something just as good, if not greater. Mm -hmm. So whoever's missing, guess what? I got Nas on the album. Mm -hmm. He's never been on one of my albums. I don't think any fans are going to be upset about that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, and the song with him is crazy. Thank you, bro. Both of y'all are talking that shit on there. Thank you. <laughs> so, so we got that song with Nas, and it was produced by Alchemist. Mm -hmm. So I killed two birds with one stone because... Alchemist was on the first realness, mm -hmm. and I wanted to tap into that. Alchemist came with that Grammy pack. Oh, yeah. So I got Havoc out the way, I got Alchemist out the way. And then the Havoc song was produced by Street Runner mm -hmm. that he rapped on. So Street Runner did two songs. He also produced a joint with Lloyd Banks. Yeah. Right? So now it's like, all right, Street Runner wasn't on the realness, but one thing I said like a little while ago, chemistry. Chemistry is very important. Mm -hmm. Chemistry is more important than the name. A lot of people do features based on the name. Oh, this dude is hot, put him on the record. I gotta have chemistry with you. Mm -hmm. So I need the large professor on there, because mm -hmm. we have chemistry. Street Runner, because we have chemistry. And I had to get Harry Freud, because I did projects with all three of these guys. Okay, yeah. The projects didn't come out, except for the large pro. Mm -hmm. But I gotta, you know, um, me and Street Runner did an EP, actually, if that's out. Me and um, large pro did an album, and me and Harry Freud did a project that didn't come out. Okay. So I know we got chemistry. So I got those three guys. Then I added Havoc and Alchemist, Shaw Money XL, oh, yeah. and my man Big Ty from South Carolina. Okay. Who those four were on the realness. Yeah. So right there, now now you got that's half of the album right there. So then I got Street Runner to do another song, Shaw Money XL to do another song. Before you know it, wow, the album's you know what I'm saying? So now I wanted I had this the intro had to be nuts to set the tone, because the intro on the realness was crazy. Mm -hmm. So my man Domingo did the intro and it's raw, it's dope. So before you know it, the album is, 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 was taking form and I was really proud of it. So um, this is all new stuff. Some of this music was over scrutinized by me because I'm a prick. Like I wiped my sneakers before I even came here. Like I seen a little, oh man, I got wiped. That's how I am. Yeah. So sometimes I might do a song, it might be done. And I'll be like, go back to the studio and do it over. Heavy attention to detail. Right. What's your sign, bro? Sag. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what's up. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, that, I thought that was, uh, like, the project, I listened to it, and um, really dope 
you know, piece of work. I've always been a fan of your track selecting. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, that was something that I, that I noticed off top. Um, so it's a few songs that I want to, uh, you know, I just want to say the name and then I want you to, you know, let me know like what space you were in when you were making this song or what the vibe was. Um, the Saga Resumes. Woo. That's probably my favorite song on the project. Wow. Um, and I, I think you said that one was produced. I think that one was produced by Big Ty. Big Ty. Yeah. That was a deep song. The first one was a very deep song. So the space I was in was I had to get back. That's like beautiful struggle in music. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it's like sometimes when you get too comfortable, you lose some of that hunger. So there's times when I will go to a different state. Like I go to New Jersey, that's close to New York. I park in New Jersey and then I'll jump on the, on the train and come to New York, you know what I'm saying? So when I'm in that element, I'm seeing New York mm -hmm. from a perspective I haven't seen it. I'm seeing like there's so much mental illness uh, being overlooked in New York. Like if you look at the average homeless people that's in, in the train station, they have mental illness, some of them. Mm -hmm. And there's a, it's, it's a lot of that. So you see the, so you see the, I think New York, I think, well, you've been in New York. I think the New York City transit, the train system is the veins of the city. Yeah. From there, you see everything. You can see, you, I could sit in a train and just look at people's faces, look at them, everybody got a story. I'd be like, he's, okay, he's headed to work. He's like an executive or something. He's a young kid, he's, he's struggling. This guy's going to school. This lady, she got her kids. You know, this person is homeless. This person is on drugs. He's just sleeping. So it's like so much joy and pain and everything right then and there. Mm -hmm. It brings me back to that. So I needed that to write the saga because I don't wake up in that kind of environment. So I needed to see that. Yeah. And when I wrote the saga, I just tried to dig into my past, um, some of the pains I felt, some, and I also try to recapture the original saga. So I had to listen to that, see what the highs and the lows were. And it was a challenge because the saga is such a popular song. That's why I brought Big Ty to produce this one because he did the first one. That production is beautiful. Um, so that's, that's it. I had to tap into the pain to, to bring that out. Yeah, word. Okay. Um, Glorious uh, featuring Oz. Glorious is a long overdue, I might want to say, street masterpiece. Um, Patience is my greatest acquisition re recently. Patience. Um, because with patience, anything is possible. When you're not patient, you'll give up on yourself or you'll give up on a person. And in this industry, I've seen people get mad. Yo, such and such supposed to do a verse with me, he ain't do it. Now suddenly you're mad at this person. You, you might even stop speaking to him or have conflict because the person is, uh, is busy. Because you don't have patience and you don't have empathy. Empathy is putting yourself in their shoes. So patience and empathy are what guided me to having a, a Nas on my album and some of these other people, because Nas is super busy. Mm -hmm. So when Nas says he's gonna do the verse, um, he gave me his word. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he did it, he came with a, a vintage epic Nas verse. And we just put it together and the rest is, is, is history in the making, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the song, the thing I like about the song mostly is when you got artists that are like looked at as lyricists, a lot of times somebody ruins the song. Mm. You know why they ruin the song? 
because this guy is trying to outdo that guy mm -hmm. as opposed to meshing together. Mm -hmm. So the beautiful thing about Nas song, Nas feature on my album is we're meshing together. Like you see how good we sound together. It's not like, oh, he tried to outdo this guy. He tried to outdo, it just sounds perfect together. So that was a proud moment. And that was for the fans. We both knew what the fans wanted. That's what's up. Um, her name. Her name is another a beautiful produced song. Um, that might be my favorite produced song. The strings and everything. It feels like you're at an opera or something. Um, that was the sequel, the follow-up song to American Beauty, which was on the first Realness. Um, that was another challenge for this album. This is my most challenging album because, first of all, sequel has to be a sequel. And a lot of artists, they cheat the game. They'll make such and such part two. They just slap the name on it. Right. The content ain't even consistent with the first. Right. So I said, I want to do a sequel sequel. So I wanted to make American Beauty sequel. I had to push myself to, to be conceptual, because that was a conceptual record. And then I had to uh, try to make the record just as good as the other one, if not better. So. And then we made the song, I fell in love with it. Shout out to Pops, the producer who made that. And um, that's an incredible record. Yeah. And that song, um, I mean, her name, that song's about hip hop. Right, right, you got it, you get it. Um, and then uh, the other one, um, which, was, which was super creative, uh, and I really want to tap into this one, White Roses. Mm. So that song, it was, it was dope to me because, you know, I, I you know, heard you like doing like the dedication in the first verse to Biggie. Mm -hmm. Then in the second verse, um, you know, you referencing a lot to Wu-Tang and then shouting out ODB. Right. Um, can you just talk about like what inspired you to, to make that song? Um, Shout Money XL produced that. Shout out to Shout. I wanted to. Yeah, shout out to Shout Money, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, when I made that song, I wanted to make a conceptual record because when I look at the realness, the thing that made the realness a unique album is you got lyrics, you got street, but you had conceptual records too. Rap is a Hustle was a conceptual record. So in order to live up to the realness, I had, there, there were some gaps that I had to fill. And I said, I need to have a conceptual song or two just to show also to show diversity as an artist. So I wanted to do something to show love to Big, obviously, but I wanted to do it in a different way because everybody shows love to Big. So I did that. I broke down his first album. Mm -hmm. And um, the second verse, the reason I wanted to shout out Wu is because I feel like they don't get the love they deserve. They get it, mm -hmm. but they should get more, mm -hmm. especially the place that I'm in right now is I have tremendous respect for my peers. Mm -hmm. So. It was a time when New York artists didn't really stick together. It was like, all right, that's their crew, but this is our crew. You know what I'm saying? It's, not, it's like now I'm more open. My mind is more open. My third eye. New, New York hip hop then was like uh, the NBA in the 80s and 90s. Like none right. of the players was rocking with each right. other. You know right, right, yeah. We, we cool in the all-star game. Other than that, it's war. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, and, then, and, and when you look at it, it's stupid. When you think about it, like, wait a minute, why don't we get along? We don't even got beef because you're di a different crew than mine. We just, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's what uh, ruined the, the fabric of New York rap. Mm -hmm. It was the inner bickering. So I just wanted to give love to, to, to people, to those two people, because those two people were very symbolic 
in that moment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I could have did Tupac, but that, that would be too predictable. Mm -hmm. You do something with Biggie and then you say something about Pac. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, that's too predictable. So I said, I, I want to give the love to somebody that impacted the, the, the culture around that same time as Big. So I did the Big, I did Big and I did Woo. That's what's up. Yeah. No, very creative. That was, you know, what I took from the project was, you know, it was, you definitely like, you, you had a theme, you stuck with it. And, and I mean, it was just create creative all the way through. Thank I you. Definitely respect that, uh, you know, about the project. Um, are there any other, uh, any other shout outs or any, you know, messages that you want to, you know, lead to your fans or anything? Um, the message that I want to lead to my fans is thank you. Thank you. Like you guys changed my life. Um, you guys helped my daughter go to college. You guys put a roof over my head. Uh, you know, I go through, everybody go through the uh, valleys and peaks, but you know, I'm never in the valley of the damned. Mm. So thank you guys. Um, I appreciate you for having me on the show. Um, shout out to my publicist, making it happen. Shout out to Neelam, holding it down. And I want to give a special shout out to one of your neighbors out here, Mr. Everything Cafe, for the delicious food that, that we ate before we even oh, did this yeah. interview. Shout out to Mr. Everything. You know what I'm saying? Nah, that's what's up. Um, one question I want to ask you that I missed from early in the interview is uh, I want to ask you, how do you feel that you evolved um, as an artist like over time? <clears throat> that's a dope question. I think uh, I was just saying this recently at a, I was doing an interview and uh, I said, I'm better than I used to be. I'm a better artist. I was more raw before, but I'm a better artist at this moment. Um, you could hear growth in my music. I think uh, I have way more empathy. I had less filter back then. I had way more empathy. You didn't hear the word bitch on my album at all, did you? You barely even heard profanity on my album. I barely use the N-word anymore, unless it's in direct context to the song. Um, so I use less profanity. You don't need to use profanity to get a point across. You get a point across by expressing. So I think uh, I have way more empathy as an artist. I have way more filter. And I don't want to shine. I want to be great. I want to be greatness. I want to be amongst those that are mentioned as the greatest. So I could get money doing other things. I could write books and make millions. I could do so many things to make money. I'm not doing this for the money. I want to be, be like how the NBA just did that 75 greatest recently. Mm -hmm. I want, if they do a rap's greatest 75, I want to be in it. Yeah. So, so the difference between me and then how I've evolved is I think, uh, I think my writing has become more, some, somebody said the other day, like you write simple yet complex. And um, I think I know who I am now. And uh, yeah, that's it. I, I use less profanity, I'm more, I'm, I think I'm a deeper writer. I use less profanity, and I know my music has a purpose now, whereas before I was just writing. I know somewhere there's a kid that needs structure in his life, and he's going to get structure from some of the things I say. Somewhere there's an adult that's going to take some of these jewels that I've given on this album and apply it to their life. So now I know my purpose more. 
That's the difference. Right. Okay. That's what's up. That's what's up. Well, man, Cormega, appreciate you jumping off the porch with us. Till next time, my brother. One love. Yes, sir. <laughs>